Hebrews. Would you turn there, please? Hebrews. We have been uh, on Friday nights on this subject of being without covetousness for some weeks now. I believe at the direction of the Lord. I'm getting excited because I'm getting some new direction for what's coming next. Yeah, it's going to be good. I assure you. The word's always good. And I thought maybe I was through uh, last week on this, but I, I wasn't quite through. And uh, this is really good to help finish this up. So you going to believe with me tonight? Yes, sir. Hebrews 13, are you there? Yes, sir. And verse 5 says, let your conversation, your way or manner of life, let it be without covetousness. Everybody say those two words. Did the Lord tell us our life is to be completely free of this? How much of this we're to have? Absolutely none. Zero amount of covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's where our contentment comes from. No amount of money can make you content on the inside. No amount of stuff can. Your contentment comes on the inside from him so you don't have to wait till you get that next thing because you already got him and he'll never leave you and never forsake you so you already can be content you can be happy you know we talk about believing for something and you know shooting for the best and taking steps we should be enjoying every step you don't put your happiness and contentment off till you get your house, till you get your car, till you sow the big seed. No, enjoy every moment of every day and every step, even little steps. Shout about them. Get with your faith buddies and have celebration parties. Amen. Even over little stuff, seemingly to somebody else. Why? Just that it worked. If it worked on that, it'll work on something bigger. And you're on your way. If you stay with it, you're going to get there. And that's what a church family is supposed to be about, is encouraging each other in these things. That's what the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, because we're supposed to provoke one another to good works. Urge one another on. You know, nobody, there is nobody in the church that's too encouraged. There's nobody. There is nobody that is so spiritual and so much faith and so built up that they go, oh no, please, please, I've got all the encouragement I just don't want any more. Uh-uh. I don't care who you are. You could use some more encouragement. And that ought to be all of us, one of our biggest ministries, that we are encouragers of the brethren. Now, that's very different from being an accuser of the brethren. Our fault finder or backstabber. No, no. A what? Encourage. I mean, you ought to become skilled at it. The only way you become good at something is through practice, through doing it. Get good at it. Now, you can't be good at it if you're waiting for somebody to come encourage you. I want nobody to help me. How many people have you helped? See, if you're experiencing a drought in an area, then it comes right back to failure to sow in that area. So become a skilled encourager of the brethren. God is our contentment in our life. Verse 6, he said, so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. So we don't fear anything that could happen in this world that men could do of lack or deficiency. God is with us. And no matter what happens to the economy or the company or anything else, he's going to be there. So we can still get our needs met. No matter who's in office. Did you hear me? No matter what laws pass or don't pass. No matter what happens in the global economy. Or in the U.S. economy. Or imports. Or et cetera, et cetera. We can still get our needs met. We can. God has demonstrated it. That he can feed you in the middle of a famine. He can multiply your meal and oil. He can do all kinds of things. If you'll just believe him and not fear. Somebody say, don't fear. fear. Now, we've been talking about this for some weeks now. And we said, you know, the Bible tells us to have no covetousness. What is covetousness? It means to desire. It means to long for. It means 
to sigh for, to set the heart on. We might say in the South, you know, uh, to want it bad. You want it. You desire it. You long for it. Well, the Bible says that you are to covet earnestly the best gifts. So there are some things it's okay to long for. We long for his return. We long to be in his presence. We long to see the Father. I want to hear the Father sing. I want to see his face. I want to see his eyes. You can't do that and live in your body. But soon it won't be a deal. Because we'll be out of here. Right? In this life, I long to experience more of his presence and his glory. I want to know more about what he likes and doesn't like. I, I want to know his ways, how he does things. We are to long for that. We are to covet that earnestly. Wake up wanting it. Go to bed wanting it and not just wanting it but believing for it. But can a Christian long for, desire for something they shouldn't long for? Yeah, they can. And that's what he's talking about. In Deuteronomy, we've read this, but I'll read it to you again. Actually, uh, Exodus first, Exodus twenty seventeen says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Of course, that would include your neighbor's husband. Nor their manservant or maidservant or ox or ass or anything that is your neighbor's. Deuteronomy 5 says you must not desire, uh, the living says you must not burn with desire for your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, his field, his manservant, maidservant, ox, ass or anything that is your neighbor's. If it belongs to somebody else, what do you know? I'm not supposed to want it. Can you control yourself? Even though thoughts come across your mind and feelings and desires come to you, are you helpless? Are you a victim of your desires? Do your desires tell you who and what you are? Do they control you? Or can a child of God, who has the greater one on the inside, can they get a hold of their flesh and keep their body under subjection and control? Can they cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God? Can you control your mind? And can you control what you let yourself look at? What you let yourself listen to? What you let yourself long for and desire? It's real simple. If it's somebody else's, you're not supposed to want it. So don't let yourself. But going on tonight, turn with me if you would to the book of Exodus. And the 18th chapter, Exodus 18, Moses was working too hard. He was working all day and all night and trying to take care of everything himself. And uh, the Lord told him, helped him actually through his father-in-law. Could God talk to you through relatives? Through in-laws. Yeah. (laughs) If you're open to it. God can speak. Boy, some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. Woo! (laughs) You got to be open for the Lord to speak to you through anybody. Including people you think you don't enjoy much. Or strangers. People you don't even know. You got to be open. Even if they don't do it right. They might not tell you right. And their attitude might not be right. But what they say might be right. You need to be open. Even things that really rub you the wrong way. You need to be spiritual enough to stop and go, I don't, I'm not enjoying that. But is it true? Is it true? Whether I like it or not, I want to hear it or not. Be mature enough to be willing to hear it. Look at it. So he told him what to do. He told him to select men from among the people and put them over others and let them do work. How many understand that's the way it's supposed to be in every church? 
Every ministry. That's why a lot of times churches don't grow and they don't develop. Because the leaders try to do everything themselves. And we've got a whole generation of people who think being a Christian means coming to church and sitting on the seat. Don't we? And it never was supposed to be that. Everybody is supposed to be in service. Ministry means service. Everybody has a ministry. Until whether they're doing it or not, they have it. And they're graced and gifted to do something to help advance the kingdom of God. Everybody. Nobody is called only to sit in a seat. Nobody. Somebody says, well, that brother, that's my call. I have uh, Seat Warmers International. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> better find your ministry. Life is short. You better find out what you're supposed to be doing. Get to it. Get to it. And it has to do with helping somebody other than yourself. He said, verse 21 of 18, Moreover, you shall provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, who what? Hating covenant. Now that's a strong way to say it, isn't it? Hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands rulers of hundreds rulers of fifties rulers of tens and let them judge the people at all seasons and it'll be every great matter they'll bring to you but every small matter they'll judge so shall it be easier for yourself and they'll bear the burden with you now that's supposed to operate in every family in every business I don't care if you got two employees every church, every ministry, the leaders are not supposed to do everything. People are supposed to be doing some things and then other things and oversight and oversight. And it's supposed to be like the military as far as rank and operation. How many believe God's kingdom is supposed to operate smooth and with order? Everybody's supposed to know their place. And here he said, though, that a qualification for a place included this. They got to hate covetousness. Or elsewise, you're not qualified to be in a place of oversight and rulership. Now, this is true concerning the here and now, but it's also true concerning the eternal kingdom of God. The Bible talks about covetous people would have part in the lake of fire. Covetousness is a serious thing. What is covetousness? Now, if you're with us last week, we saw covetousness is idolatry. It's wanting something or somebody more than you want God. And even though you know he didn't want you to do it, and you know he's told you it's wrong, yet you want it more than you want to please him. Can you see what a bad thing this is? And so you push him aside and you push his known will aside. And you go on and get it because you want it. And since we have a free will, you can do that. Oh, but it'll cost you. I said it'll cost you. All we should need to know is does it please God or it displeases him? If it displeases him and we know it, that'll be enough for us. We're done with it. No matter how much our flesh wants it, if we find out it displeases him, we ought to be through with it. If we find out it pleases him, no matter how much we think we don't want it, if it pleases him, that ought to be enough for us. We pursue it. We're after it. And if that's the case, then we do not have any other gods before him. There are no idols in our life. He is God alone. And he really is our Lord. And his will is our directive and not our own. Now, if we don't put our flesh under... To achieve his will. Then he's not really our Lord. We are our own Lord. Now. In talking about this. Go to Deuteronomy 16. Because it's a good explanation. Of why he gave these specific qualifications. That to be a ruler. To be a leader. You had to actually hate. Covetousness. He's not talking about hating people. But you hate this thing. Called covetousness 
Are we supposed to agree with the Bible? So say it out loud if you can. I hate covetousness. That's a strong, strong word. But it's what he said. Do we want to qualify for being leaders and having responsibility and being promoted? Then we've got to qualify in this way. He said in Deuteronomy 16 and 18, along this same line, he actually was talking about giving. Back up the previous verse, verse 17, every man shall give, this is Deuteronomy 16, 17, every man shall give as he's able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. And judges and officers shall you make in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you throughout your tribes. They'll judge the people with just judgment. You shall not rest judgment. You shall not respect persons, neither take a gift. Now this word means bribe. A lot of you modern translations have that, don't it? You will not take a bribe. Why? For a gift or a bribe does blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. A bribe does what? It blinds the eyes even of who? Who? The righteous. And this says, the King James says, the wise. Let me read this to you from other translations. The New Living says, you must never twist justice or show partiality. Never accept a bribe. For bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. He said to New King James, you shall not pervert justice, you shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe. The English version says, they are not to accept bribes, for gifts blind the eyes even of wise and honest men and cause them to give wrong decisions. It's a corrupting thing. Where there's supposed to be justice and fairness and righteousness, bribes, if people will receive them, can turn fairness into unfairness. Right into perversion and wrong. Justice into injustice. Can you see why for qualifications of leadership, these people are going to be put over a thousand people and over a hundred people and over 50 people? Well, what's a big qualification? They must hate covetousness or elsewise they can be bribed. And people who are coming before the judge because they have done a bunch of wrong stuff are already inclined to do something else wrong and try to buy off the judge. So the only thing that's going to keep the thing running like it's supposed to is that the leaders can't be bought. Now... It's not something you like to dwell on, but there's a lot of corruption in a lot of places all over the world and even in our own country. We don't like to think about it, but there is, you know, people accepting bribes and payoffs. And it's also the answer and the reason why so many troubles abound and even curses and even bad things happening. In the country and around the country. It takes away the protection of the Lord. Now uh, let's look at some other verses before I comment further. Go to Proverbs the 17th chapter. A leader must what? Hate covetousness. Do you despise it? (laughs) That's not strong enough. I'm not just looking for volume. I want us to have it in our heart. Do we hate covetousness? What does that mean? We're talking about greed. We're talking about people selling themselves and people being bought. And Do you despise that? God hates it. And if we're going to agree with him, we've got to feel the same way about it. 
payoffs and under the table and shifty and, you know, God hates it. And so do we. Well, if we do, we're certainly not going to participate in it. And how many understand there are a lot of ways to sell out? A lot of ways to sell out. And with every one of us, there will come situations in your life where there's money right there. Or there's something you want. But in order to get it, you've got to compromise yourself some way. Others might not know it. Other people might be doing it and they try to make out like it's okay, but it bothers your heart. If you do it, you're selling. How many know that uh, Balaam sold out? Didn't he? Judas sold out. And we look at folks like that and think it's the worst thing in the world a person could do. Well, God looks at the heart. There are a lot of ways to do it. The thing that's going to help safeguard you against doing it yourself is that you have a strong feeling against it. We're against it. We don't believe in it. We're against it. Against what? Bribes. Covetousness. We're not just little against it. We hate it. We hate it. We won't be a part of it. Now, there can be times in life that can seem to cost you. People will make fun of you. Oh, you're just holier than thou. Too goody-goody to be a part of this. And If your heart bothers you, don't even listen to that. Just let it go right over your head and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I just, I'm not comfortable doing that or being a part, you know. Y'all follow your conscience, but I got to go home and I can't be in it. Hmm? And let folks say what they will, but it's between you and the Lord. You got to keep your heart clear, your conscience clear. Don't let anybody else tell you what's right and wrong for you in these areas. You got to keep your heart clear. Well, so-and-so's doing it. What does that mean? You don't know whether they're overriding their conscience or not. You don't have their conscience. You only got yours. Proverbs 17, do you believe that God has called you to rule and reign with him? Is he grooming you right now for this? Are you one of the kings? He is king of. Huh? Well, to be a leader, the Bible, you know, David is an example of a leader and, uh, he, the Lord said this through him, said, uh, he that I heard, he said, I heard the Almighty say this, he that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of the Lord. Somebody says, well, I'm not ruling on everybody. You got kids? You should be just. What does that mean? Fair. Don't make your numbers what you feel. You're supposed to be fair. Don't make a difference how tired you are or if you don't want to fool with it. You're supposed to be fair. And this is one way that the parents disobey scriptures. The Bible said, for instance, for fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. How could you do that? Not being fair. Not being right. So it applies to all levels of life. We must be fair. No matter who we know, who we think we enjoy being around more or we have a closer connection with, that cannot come in to play. Shouldn't in our decisions. Or who has more money or less money or who might do something for us or who might not should not be a factor. We should be led by the Spirit. Led by the book. And everything in our heart do what we know is right and fair. Does everybody do that? You can't control everybody except you can control you. You must have a heart. Said out loud, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's fair. 
Be fair with your children. Be fair with people that's under you. Be fair. Do what's right. Even if it costs you. Proverbs 17. And 23. 17.23 says. A wicked man. Takes a gift. Out of the bosom. To pervert. The ways of judgment. The New King James says a wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back. This is exactly what we call under the table. What does that mean? What is under the table? You don't see it. Yeah, and somebody said not recorded. That's right. (laughs) Not recorded. Boy, you could take a side journey with that now, couldn't you? (laughs) In the bosom, what does that mean? Well, they wore robes. And these robes had folds and you could put stuff inside there and you couldn't see it and not everybody would know it was there. And so you sidle up beside somebody and they slip something in there for you. And you nod, yeah, you're going to take care of it. Particularly the judges. Something's coming up before them. Somebody slipped some payment in there. And they've already made up their mind which way they're going to rule for the person who comes before them. And it's not based on what's right and wrong. They've been bought. It happens more than we'd like to think. But in all areas of life. You can't control everybody. But you can sure control you. And in order to be our strong witness in this church. That if somebody wants to do something wrong, they know, don't even come talk to you. Ain't no need in telling them they won't do it. They won't get in on it. They won't join us. They won't lie for us. They won't cover it. They won't hide it. So you better not tell them. It's not a matter of being goody-goody. It's a matter of being like the Lord. He hates bribes and buying and selling yourself. He hates it. Skip over to uh, Ecclesiastes 7. Ecclesiastes... 7 and verse 7. It says, Surely oppression makes a wise man mad, and a gift does what? Destroys the heart. Now, he's not talking about a gift like we talk about when we say giving somebody a gift. When you give somebody a gift, you're asking for nothing in return. If it's really a gift, he's not talking about that. He's talking about trying to buy something. He's talking about a bribe. And this kind of gift, this bribe, does what? What does it do? It destroys the heart. The NIV says extortion turns a wise man into a fool. And a bribe corrupts the heart. The English version says when a wise man cheats someone, he's acting like a fool. Can a righteous person, can a wise person yield to the flesh and let themselves want something they shouldn't want and be willing to sell out to get it? Even uh, otherwise than a previously righteous person. Well, we hear it all the time. I've heard it far too many times. Other ministers leaving their wives for another woman in the church. Stealing the money out of the offerings and running off. You hear about that, but is it any better if somebody does it in their personal life? We all have the same God. If somebody steals money from the company or cheats somebody that they're in business with or knows or steals their husband or wife or any of this, I mean, why do that? Well, even somebody that loves God. You know, David's a perfect example of that, isn't he? More than once, the Bible mentions, I'm talking about King David now, mentions David's integrity. A couple of verses I can think of right now mention the integrity of David. And God himself referred to him as a man after his own heart. The man loved the Lord, didn't he? And he loved, have you ever read the 119th Psalm? That entire psalm is about his love for the Word. How much he loved the Word. He said, 
I rejoice when I find your word like somebody who found a big treasure. He said, it's better to me than thousands of silver and gold. And he just goes on and on and on. He loved God. He loved the word. He loved what was right. He loved justice. But one night, he's up looking out. Seeing what he can see and his eyes fall on this woman and she's very beautiful. And she's not clothed. How many understand, no matter who you are, you're human. And you got flesh. And if you feed those desires, what's going to happen? Anything you feed, what's going to happen? It's going to grow, it's going to get stronger. So wise people won't feed it. Foolish people will. Make it easy on yourself. And don't feed these things. But he's up there and he gets to looking and he gets to looking. And this, just from what little I know about spiritual things, he's been doing this for a while before this. He hasn't been putting his flesh under. He's been letting stuff go too much. You don't just do this off the spur. This worked up to this over a period of time. He knows better. He knows, he knows whose wife this is. It's not his. It's Uriah, a man. You talk about a story. Have you ever read about Uriah's loyalty and faithfulness to this man that took his wife? The man died because David had him set up. They put him on the front line and then pulled away from him and left him out there. I tell you what, though. On that particular week, I'd have chose to have been Uriah any time yes. rather than David. Yes. So this is why. Uriah died, but he died with honor. The man had his integrity about him, and he knew what they did, but he stood and he fought to the bitter end. He went down in glory. No, people think dying's the worst thing can happen to you. Oh, no. <laughs> no. We're all going to die. The Lord tears is coming. The child of God who knows the truth is not afraid to die. But I say it like the scripture says, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. Man, I'd rather die young glorifying God than to lie and steal and manipulate my way for another 40 years. What kind of life is that? But if you believe God, you can be satisfied with long life while you're a person of integrity. So he took her because he wanted her. He lied, had her husband set up. Oh, but he paid for it. Man, he paid for it. But the mercy of God, God forgave him. And there was life after the sin. And there was even good life after the sin. Isn't God merciful? Isn't he gracious? He's so good. If you'll repent, he'll forgive you and cleanse you and restore you. Isn't he good? Wouldn't it have been better though if David hadn't had the man that he was, if he hadn't had that blot on his history, if he had just maintained his integrity. Would have been so much better. Can you maintain yours? Can I maintain mine? The Bible says quite a bit about integrity. Let me define it for you. Somebody say integrity. integrity. What is integrity? The word means completeness. It also means simplicity as opposed to duplicity. It means completeness and it means innocence you keep your heart pure you keep your vision single the English uh, meaning of it is firm adherence to values there have to be values in you that you don't make exception for people talk about well there's exception to every rule no there's not no for instance you don't lie ever About anything for anybody. 
I don't care if it costs you your life. You don't lie. You don't betray. You don't deceive. You know, how many understand what I'm talking about? There's a lot of things worse than dying. You hold your integrity. You hold your witness for God. Well, even if it costs you. Because nothing could be, you know, as bad as the cost of losing one's integrity. It says the quality of being complete, undivided, honest, honor. Have you noticed the word honest sounds like the word honor? And there's a reason for that. What is honor? A big part of honor is honesty. Huge part of it. One of the most dishonest things would be deceiving and lying. I don't care if you've made terrible mistakes in these areas. I want you to say it by faith. Say it out loud. I hate covetousness. I hate deception. I hate lying. I do not lie. I will not lie. For any reason. By the grace of God. Now that goes a long way if you really mean that and you stay with that toward being a person of integrity. How many know God is a God of integrity? The Bible said it is even impossible for him to lie. Why? If he lied, he wouldn't be God. Because God is truth and holy and integrity. You're, in, uh, you're close to Proverbs. Back up there to the 11th chapter. Proverbs 11, this is a really good verse right here. Verse 3 says, you read it out loud to me. What will guide you? Do you know there's a lot of things you don't have to pray about? Your integrity will guide you on it. What God has let you to know what is right and wrong. Uh, Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, he said this actually happened years ago. He and the pastor, he was in the church holding a meeting, and before the service, he and his pastor's out in the auditorium uh, praying about the service. And this man that was in the church came in, and eventually he came over to them and said he wanted them to pray about something. And they said, uh, well, what is it? And he hum-hawed around and went around the world, but finally, basically, he wanted them to pray that God would give him another man's wife. He was already married. Actually, you know. Well, now, why would somebody even think it was okay to ask about prayer? Covetousness does what to you? We read this earlier. It blinds you. This is a great thing to see now. It even blinds who? Wise people. Righteous people. Phyllis and I have seen that. In years past. Businessmen who loved God. And were otherwise intelligent people. And just do some of the dumbest things. Lose all kind of money. And you think. What they knew better than that. No. They got blinded. By dollar signs. You know, they got that in their eyes. Boy, we're going to make it big with this. And oh, this is going to be it. Uh, You know, never look at any deal or investment that's going to make you. And I'll be set forever. Well, then that's your source then. Or anybody that you ever meet or any... uh, partnership or anything. No, thank God for things God puts together for you, but you got one source and your eyes are always on him. Always. Well, why would that man ask that? Well, he has fed that desire until it's blinded him and he's not seeing right and he's not thinking right or he wouldn't ask such a thing. Well, of course they told him that wasn't right. Are they going to pray about that? He's wanting them to pray. And what he's thinking is maybe there's some, you know, I've heard people try to explain it all kind of ways. They go, well, you know, we weren't supposed to be married. And so we missed God. We've been married for 15 years and got two kids. But 
we miss God and God didn't really join us together. Basically what they're saying is it doesn't really count. And spiritually, I'm already joined to this person. No, that's called lust. Lust. Infatuation. (laughs) But that's what people try to do. Well, it's not that simple, preacher. It's complicated. (laughs) No, it ain't. It ain't complicated. (laughs) Well, I know technically... It's breaking the law. But you know, God's laws are not like man's laws. And it's complicated. And I've prayed about it. I've had people tell me this guy. I've prayed about it and I've got it. Me and the Lord's got it all worked out. He said it was a, you're blind. Your covetousness has blinded you. Do you see that now? It has blinded you. And I don't care who you are. What happened to David? David is no dummy. Have you read the Psalms? Have you seen what God brought through the man? Have you heard how God talks about the man? He is not ignorant. He's not dumb. He's not ignorant of God and his ways. But he gets up there. And this woman is just too fine. And he gets to thinking. And of course he's king. And he's used to getting what he wants. With no weight. You got to watch that now. That's why I'm saying. This didn't happen just that night. He's been yielding to his flesh too much. For some time. And some things don't cost you that much. But you keep going that direction. You'll eventually do something that really costs you. Amen. It blinded him. How, why would he even consider. Calling Joab in. And telling him to put this man of honor who's done nothing but be loyal to him with his every breath on the front line and back off and let the enemy take him down. Why would he even consider such a thing? A man of integrity. A man of God. Blinded because of his covetousness. Can you see why God says, I want your life to be without it. And I want you to hate it. Because it's the only thing that will keep you safe. You've got to have something strong in you about it. Where to these things, there are no exceptions. If it's somebody else's, I don't want it. If, God, if it's not the will of God, I don't want it. If it displeases Him, I'm getting rid of it. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how much I spent on it. I don't care how much I thought I wanted. If I find out he didn't like it, out it goes. Now. Because he's my Lord. What he says is it. Can you say amen? amen? What does this say again? Read it out loud. What will guide you? The integrity. We are the upright. We are the ones made righteous by our faith in him. And what will guide us? There are so many things you don't have to pray about. There's right and there's wrong. There's good and there's evil. There's the will of God and there's everything else. And when you know the will of God, you know what's right. Ain't no need in praying about it. You know. There's so much wasted motion in prayer. So many things. It's like, uh, I know, when we were growing up, we had, my brother and I had jobs to do at the house. And uh, I know my friends, sometimes after school, we'd be riding the school bus home. And they'd say, come on, man, it's, we're going swimming. And I said, I can't. How come? we got to pull corn. Well, man, it's hot. And we tied a new tire on the rope. And, man, you know, you got to come. Right. And so finally they start saying, I said, man, I can't. I can't. Well, go ask your mama. <laughs> Ain't no need in asking mama. Well, see, go ask daddy. Ain't no need in asking mom and daddy. They've already told me what needs to be done. So that's the thing about prayer. Well, go pray and ask God. There's a lot of things. Ain't no need in asking him. He's already told you. And he ain't going to change. Right? (laughs) And that's what's wrong with some parents. They do change. When they shouldn't. Thank you, Lord. The integrity of the upright 
will guide them. Say that out loud. My integrity integrity will guide me. me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you're here in Proverbs. Go to the 28th chapter, and I'm beginning to start to close, I think. Oh, man, that's good, too, though. We got to touch on that. Where are you? Proverbs 28. Notice this. I want to begin to mention to you now the blessings of the uncovetous. The blessings of those who have integrity. We've already seen that you qualify to be used in leadership positions. You qualify to be promoted. And there are tests that you have to pass. They come to all of us just in life. But you have to demonstrate that you you can't be bought. You're not a sellout and that there is nothing, there is no one who you desire more than you desire God. There's nothing. You know, uh, the Lord helped me and there's been phases of my life, every part of it, that we demonstrated it. I mean, I liked fighting. I don't mean street fighting, I mean sport fighting. That was what I wanted to do. I really, really enjoyed it. I trained night and day, and I was pretty good. But I realized God had a plan for my life, and I had to demonstrate that I desired him more than that. And I walked away from it. I liked cars and motorcycles and anything that was loud and had a lot of power. And I spent a lot of time doing it. But there come a time when I realized God had other uses for my time. Uh He dealt with me. There came a time we had to walk away. I had a hot rod I had worked on for years. And I left it sitting out in the yard. And left and went to Bible school and just acted like it wasn't there. And sold it for parts. And drove a little underpowered vehicle. It's one of those, you know, when the light changes, you mat it and count to ten. And it starts to leave. And I had had some things that had some power. But it was good for me. I got to demonstrate what it means to me. That this means more to me, you know, than this. And then later on, the Lord let me enjoy some other things. But they don't have the place they used to have. I know when one time I... After all this, I got a car, one of the first nice cars I'd ever really had. This is after I'm saved and in the ministry. And I was out there, I believe in keeping it nice and clean, and I was out there waxing it for the nth time. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, uh, if I'd known you were going to spend this much time with this, I'd have preferred you didn't have it. Man, I dropped the rag right there. And I went in the house. He didn't care for me having 10 of them, but it was taking too much of my thought time and my actual time compared to what he wanted me to do. Do you see this? And my heart had changed enough that, man, when I said, well, Lord, I'll get rid of it right now. He said, that'd be good. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside me, he said, it'd be good for you to rearrange your priorities. He said, your emphasis is not as much on the kingdom of God as on your personal stuff. So I sold it. Lost money on it. It was nearly new. It's all right. What does that mean? Got rid of it. Now, I'm getting into something else right here. If you make decisions based on money, that is being covetous. As opposed to being led by the Spirit. And it's a subtle thing that millions of people are doing and not calling it that. Well, I can't sell that. I'll lose money. What's more important? Losing money or pleasing God? There is no contest. And so I sold it. And I had a pickup. I sold it. I liquidated. Phyllis had a car that had been given to her. And I rode with her for a year and a half. And we restructured. And we put more money into the kingdom. And got out of debt. I knew God didn't mind me having the stuff. But 
you understand what I'm talking about? If you find out something displeases him, you ought not hesitate. Start changing that deal. Let's get it right. In any area. In every area. Because we love him. He is our God and we have no other gods. No other idols. No idols before us. Look at what else will happen to you when you hate covetousness and you're not covetous. Proverbs 28, 28, 16, what does it say? 28, 16, the prince that wants understanding is a great oppressor. But he that hates covetousness, what will happen to him? You want to live a long time? Would you like to prolong your days? Add some years to your life. Now that blows hole in the old uh, theory about everybody's got a time to die. And when your time comes, brother, jigs up. They pulled your ticket. They called your number. You're out of here. And the implication is that uh, it could be 1045 on a Tuesday. You might be 23, you might be 18, you might be 56, but when the clock ticks, boom, you're out of here. That's not true. I said, that's not true. People misquote the scripture in Hebrews and say, well, it's appointed unto man a time to die. doesn't even say that. That is misquoting the verse. It said, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And if you read other scriptures, you'll find that the Bible said that there are some things you can do that will shorten your days. It said bloody and deceitful men won't live out half their days. Does that mean they could live twice as long if they'd live right? Yeah. And here, and you find many others like this, there are things you can do that will add years to your life and prolong and lengthen your days. It pays to live right and obey God. It does. In natural things. So he said that the man and the woman who hate covetousness, they'll prolong their days. Back up to the 20th chapter. I got about three more portions of scripture. Can you take it? Proverbs 20, 6. 20 verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Not everybody who says they are. In fact, the ones who talk the most about it are usually the first to leave. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Oh, ain't nobody with you. Like I'm with you. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. You know it ain't so. The more they talk, the less it means. (laughs) Phyllis says the more they talk, the more they walk. You know, you got people that are talkers and you got people that are. I do a word God. <laughs> Most men will proclaim his own goodness. Verse 7 the just man does what? Walks in his integrity. Now look at this blessing. And what? Oh, man. His children are blessed. After him, after he's long gone, his children are enjoying blessings because he hated covetousness and wasn't a sellout and walked in honesty and integrity and told the truth. His kids and his grandkids, blessed, 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 long after he or she's in heaven. It pays. I said it pays. Don't turn here. You go to uh, Psalms, the book of Psalms, the 15th Psalm. I'm going to read this to you while you're turning there. Can you turn while you listen? You're going to where? Psalm 15. Now listen to this. Don't turn. You're going to Psalm, but listen to Isaiah 33:14. It said, who shall dwell with the devouring fire? You know, God's fire. Who's going to live with fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? Who can approach to that kind of holiness 
and purity and power. He answers it. He that walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He that despises the gain of oppression and shakes his hand from holding bribes. That stops his ears from hearing of blood and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread will be given him and his waters shall be sure. To my blessings. What does that mean? I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to have my needs met. If you want to live right. Be a person of integrity. Your eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Oh, glory. You'll behold the land that is very far off. We're going to see it. We're going to see him. Now you skip down to verse 24 and the benefits just keep going in this chapter. It says, verse 24, the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. And the people that dwell will be forgiven their iniquity. Forgiveness, healing, plenty to eat and drink, protection, and you get to see the king. (laughs) And you get to see the land that is very far off. Glory to God. Say it out loud. The Lord has made me righteous. He has put truth and integrity inside me. I will allow it. To dominate me and rule me, I'll not be ruled by the desire of my eyes, my body, my feelings. I am, by the grace of God, a person of integrity. I hate covetousness. I love God. I love what is right. I love what is fair. fair. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you see that that's being like God? And we're told to be imitators of God as his dear children, followers and imitators of him. Hallelujah. There was some anointing got in some people just right then. You're going to be a changed person after tonight. A different person. There's power in the word. To give us strength in our insides. To quit being flaky and non-dependable and liars and cheats and all that kind of stuff. We're children of God. That stuff has no place in us. Where are you? Psalm 15. Got this one and one more I think. Psalm 15. I'm going to read the whole psalm. I said two more, but I didn't tell you two whole chapters. (laughs) But they're not very long. You believe this is going to be good? I do. Psalm 15. It says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? That sounds like the same thing we just got through quoting in our reading in Isaiah. Who's going to live at your house? Who's going to dwell In your holy, holy, holy hill. Who's going to do it? I'm going to read this to you from the English. A person who obeys God. And does what is right. Whose words are true and sincere. Who does not slander others. He does no wrong to his friends. Nor spreads rumors about his neighbors. How many understand that is not being a person of integrity? When you talk to a person like they're your friend. And then you go over here and talk about them behind their back. That's being a liar. And false. A hypocrite. A deceiver. You ought to, if you're going to say something. You'd say more to somebody's face than you would to somebody else. You say less to other people. Love covers a multitude of sins. You don't tell people's faults and findings. Verse 4. He despises those whom God rejects. But he honors those who obey the Lord. He always does what he promises. No matter how much it may cost. 
Oh, did you hear that? You do what you said you was going to do, no matter how much it cost. Now, that's not always easy. But to be like the Lord, you got to do it. Well, there's been more than one time in my life. I wished I hadn't said it. But I did. You know, I told somebody, I'll come do it. I'll come take care of it. We'll do it. And then when time you got to it, boy, you got other stuff going on. You're tired. You got this and that. But what's the characteristic of a man or woman of integrity? He that swears to his own hurt. And what? Doesn't change because that's the way God is. If he told you something, you can count on it. No matter what it costs. Keep reading. He doesn't charge interest. He cannot be bribed to testify against the innocent. Whoever does these things will always be secure. Say it out loud. I can't be bribed. bribed. No amount of money. money. I I don't have a price. I won't lie. And if I say it, it, I'll do it, it. even if it costs me, me. by the grace of God. God. Now go to Psalm 26 in closing. Psalm 26. This is the New Living. I'm going to read this to you. Read whatever you've got. This is actually a psalm of integrity. Psalm 26. He said, declare me innocent. O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial. Cross-examine me. Test my motives and affections. You know, sometimes you need to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see my motives on this. Show me. Sometimes it's something you don't want to see, but you need to see it. Lord, show me why I'm really wanting to do this. Show me where my heart's really at. Help me to see it. And be willing to see it, even if it's not pretty, about yourself. For I am aware of your unfailing love. And I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars. Or go along with hypocrites. The Amplified says pretenders. Why? Well, for one reason, you spend a lot of time and it's going to rub off on you. You spend a lot of time around liars, you'll start lying. You spend a lot of time around people who pretend and you'll start pretending. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands in my innocence and I come to your altar, O Lord. Now we know today under the new covenant, we can get clean by the blood. If we have defiled ourselves, if we have fallen short and messed up, that's not the end of it. We can't say, well, I've already blown it. I lied. I messed up. You can be clean again. Oh, thank God. By the blood, you can be clean again. Of course, you've got to be willing to repent. Repent means to change, which means you despise the lying, the deception. You can't be wish-washy about it. You've got to hate it. And he says, singing a song of thanksgiving. And telling of all your miracles. I love your sanctuary Lord. The place where your glory shines. The King James says where your honor. Honor. Do you love God? Do you love who he is? He's never told a lie. He can't tell a lie. He's perfect integrity. He's honor personified. Do you love him? Do you love who he is? what he is he said don't let me suffer the fate of sinners and don't condemn me with murderers their hands are dirty with wicked schemes and they constantly take bribes but I'm not like that I do what's right so in your mercy save me I've taken a stand and I will publicly praise the Lord oh does that do anything for you I've taken a stand Do you hear this whole thing? See, the the Psalms begin like this. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right? He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. 
goes on to say, he delights in the law of the Lord. What's going to happen with this man? That's our logo. He's going to be blessed. What the man that loves the truth won't tell a lie no matter what it cost him. Backs his word no matter what it cost him. Can't be bought. Won't take a bribe. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He flourishes. He gets stronger as time goes by. And he bears fruit when other people are in drought. He just keeps bearing fruit. He won't wither. Glory to God. And whatever he does shall prosper to the glory of God. Stand up and say it out loud. I've taken a stand. I've taken a stand. I've taken a stand. And I will praise the Lord. Say it out loud. I've taken a stand. A stand for what's right. A stand for truth. A stand for fairness. Justice. A stand for God. I'll not be moved. I'll praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.